America America You are so grand and golden Oh, I wish I was deep in America tonight Hey America, Katie Wilson here. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Multiverse. Just pulling your chain, America. This is Paula. And Nina. And we're psyched to be back with you for the last episode we're guest hosting this season. So sad. This has been fun. And we don't even need Katie or Caitlin anymore. It's like the pod is finally ours. (laughs) The great doula takeover. Wouldn't American moms just be so much happier if that were the case? Anyway, let's get into it because we have a lot to cover today. Right. Last week, we heard from rock star mom, entrepreneur, and media personality, Randy Zuckerberg. Oh, be still my heart. One of my favorite takeaways from both the book and the interview is the whole concept of being well lopsided in life. It's really freeing for me because our pick threes vary. It can be overwhelming to think that you have to be high achieving at many things at once. But it is very liberating to think that if you only pick three, that's okay. Right. It also allows you to really go deep and focus on the things that you need to be focused on right at that minute. And I also love, she touches on um, in the book that we don't always get to actually pick our three. And sometimes our pick three might be work, work, and work. I think it's a concept that could really move to all different moms outside of the fact that we may use those to then compare ourselves to each other. I think that in our culture, especially with social media, I I know I go back to social media a lot on these episodes, but I do think that the way that people and moms share their lives so much on Instagram and Facebook, it can create a sense of competition or defensiveness among friends or acquaintances. If my pick three are different than someone else's pick three, it might make them or me feel like we're not doing the right things or we're not prioritizing the right things and make us second guess our choices, which can create adversity and divisiveness and tribalism. And guilt. Ugh. Yes. I mean, there's nothing like seeing a photo of a, you know, a baby in a white blanket on a white bed in a white room, perfectly swaddled and snoozing to make me feel like my life is a shit show. (laughs) And we don't own anything white. (laughs) That's smart. We do. It just isn't white anymore. (laughs) I mean, I think this concept could be helpful if utilized appropriately. My concern with moms is that competitiveness because I think we have enough pressure coming from the outside, like the expectations on motherhood right now in America, all the things we're meant to do and do well. And I feel like if we're not careful, it, that coupled with the guilt of the things that we're already upset we're not able to do can be a little soul crushing. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of moms really feel like they are failing in every aspect of their lives, their professional lives, their personal relationships with their spouses. They might not see their friends as much anymore. And then on top of all of that, maybe they don't have the relationship with their baby or child that they had expected. And so they think, what is what is this? What's happening? Why can I not do anything as well as I want to? I hear from moms all the time, all the time, that they feel like they're never fully present in their professional life 
or their home life. Um, they just feel too pulled in too many different directions. And that guilt that that creates is just insidious and it can really make people feel then protective of their life and defensive of their choices. And that can be isolating to other people. And so then it's affecting relationships and it's very complicated. And let's talk about how a big part of this comes from the way our society treats moms. Let's talk about working moms and the options they have when they go back to work. What options are you referring to? I wasn't aware that they had any options. That's because they don't. (laughs) Um, They either go back or they don't. And they're expected to be fully present at all times when they're there, maybe even work extra. Or if they're staying at home, how are we treating them? Right. Right. How's that work valued? Right. Working mothers are expected to work like they don't have kids and be parents as if they don't work. Right. And that's just not possible. Our lack of logistical support for new families is a total abomination. I mean, having no guaranteed paid leave and a lot of parents are paying for their births out of pocket or at least partially out of pocket, no real breastfeeding support, no subsidized childcare. So yeah, most families are left with zero options. Right. So personally, I had a difficult experience with a job that I had when I had my second baby. I wasn't given any paid time off because um, this wasn't a benefit that the place where I work offered. And of course, there's no federal benefits for families in our country. So I did get my 12 weeks of FMLA leave. So it was un- 12 weeks of unpaid leave. And then I had five weeks of short-term disability, which was half pay for five weeks, which amounted to very little money. I had my older child in daycare and we couldn't take him out for that time. So he stayed in daycare. And then upon returning to work 12 weeks after my baby was born, I found out that I actually owed my employer over $1,000 for my health insurance that was normally taken out of my paycheck. And in this case, couldn't be taken out of my paycheck because I wasn't receiving a paycheck. And that was a totally crushing, honestly, kind of financially devastating discovery for us at that time. I felt totally abandoned by my employer. I felt confused. I felt irresponsible. I felt like we hadn't planned well enough, even though now looking back on it, I can see that it's just a really unfair practice. And um, to their credit, they have since changed their policy and they now offered paid leave for all employees, which is amazing. And I'm so happy to have played a part in that. Employers could go so far in this picture. I mean, Randy actually mentions policy versus culture in a place Mm -hmm. of employment. And so, you know, the idea, even if a company is offering leave, if they're not truly supporting those families and taking that leave, it's irrelevant because they don't feel as if they actually can take it. And there's an opportunity here to grow an amazing culture that attracts amazing people. Absolutely. Especially here in the state of Maine, our unemployment rate is actually really low. And if you want to attract the pushers and the winners, you need to offer them something different from somebody else. And this is where you can get the young families, is to truly support families. And Crittenden mentioned part-time work, Mm -hmm. the option to take part-time work and how much we could get done in a part-time schedule and not feel so torn. Mm -hmm. Support in-house for families, support groups, true pumping spaces, opportunities for them to spend time with their own family within the workplace or take the time off that they need. Unlimited time off. Yeah. And and the benefits to the employers are huge because then they're not losing talented 
employees and they don't have to hire and retrain people all the time. And the more you give to your employee, the more loyal they feel to the company. And that is an incredible relationship to have. Produce great work because you're happy where you are instead of spending your time being unhappy, unproductive, and looking for work someplace else. Yep. It's a no-brainer. So my personal story is that I was a stay-at-home mom for over 20 years. In most of those 20 years, I was very happy. I now work very, very much full-time, maybe even a little bit over the top. And what was really interesting to me and really hard for me is to be in social settings where people's first question was, what do you do? And then when I would respond that I'm home caring for four children, suddenly I was not interesting to talk to anymore. It was like, I just brought down the room. Or they would say, oh, you must have your hands full. The work that we do is so undervalued. And it also made me feel less than working families working parents, working moms. Being on the flip side of that is that I think there's some maybe jealousy on both sides, tension, uncertainty, guilt. You know, when, when I have been running support groups that was, that were primarily working parents inside their head, there's this grass is always greener mentality. I think on both sides, you know, like if you're a stay at home mom, you're so lucky or lazy, depending on who you talk to, right? That's all you have to do. It's so easy to just be home with kids. You're likely watching soap operas and eating bonbons. It's ridiculous. I mean, that was some of the hardest work I've ever done. And then on the flip side of that is like working parents, like, you know, the belief from some stay-at-home families that working parents have it easy or they don't love their children. Right. I mean, I remember when I was working full-time and my kids were much younger and people would ask me all the time, where are the kids? And I'd be like, <gasps> I left them I, in the I car. don't know. Where are they? They're, they're somewhere around here. And I wondered how often people were asking my husband that question. And it was just... Never. It just, and it made me feel guilty. Like, where are your kids? And I'm like... I was proud to work. I enjoyed working. I've, I've always wanted to work as a mother. It's good for my mental health and my sanity. But that question would always just rub me the wrong way. I just, I just had a conversation with another mom who asked me, I'm running a business and working two part-time jobs. And she looked at me and said, when do you see your kids? And I was so offended mm-hmm. as if to say, well, you clearly don't spend any time with your children. I mean, the, the exact words I heard inside my head were, you're a bad mom and I'm judging you right this very minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that blew my mind because I've also been a stay-at-home mom. And so we can't win this. You cannot win this one. You will never be doing the right thing, whether you're working or staying home. And that's the culture we've created here in America for mothers. You will not make the right choice. There will always be guilt. There will always be shame. And the bottom line is we're all just doing the best we can with what we have. So let's hear what some other members of the mom tribe have to say about this topic. Yeah, we've got some juicy, complicated write-in and call-in stories to share. Here's our first one. Now that the tables have turned and I am at home, it is as challenging as I thought it would be. I really liked my time listening to audiobooks in the car on my commute to work. I appreciated being able to talk to coworkers uninterrupted. I appreciated being able to go to the bathroom by myself. Why am I cold? See, I told you. Told you it would get interrupted, my little people. So now that's how my days are. 
but I also have this really amazing gift of being able to be able to watch them really close up and in real time grow and learn. And I appreciate that I've been able to see it from both sides. I really love that I have been able to see the pros and cons of being a working mom and the pros and cons of being a stay-at-home mom and realize that it doesn't matter which you are. There's certain parts of yourself you're sort of feeling like you're not fulfilling and there's certain parts of yourself that you feel like you are and there's no way to, to actually have it all. No way to actually have it all. That's it. And I think that along with the pick three idea, that overarching concept is something that I think is really important for moms to know is that you cannot have it all. There is no such thing as work-life balance. Agreed. You just have to kind of survive. Is that terrible that there's just... Well, I think it's I think it's even more than that. I think it's sometimes you're focused on work yeah. and sometimes you're focused on family and you'll be pulled in different directions for different amounts of time. It's not going to be my day is work, my night is family. It might be these three weeks are work and then I've got this solid weekend to spend with my kids. Yep. These six months, I'm building this business, and then I'm going to spend three days laying on the couch and watching television with the children. Yep. And it's all okay. And they all turn out okay. Right. The kids are all right. The kids are all right. Yeah. And I like like how she's talked about there are pros and cons of both lifestyles of being a working mom or a stay-at-home mom, and one isn't inherently better than the other. It's just that they're different and that you know, in different times in your life, you might need to, you might get more from one option or the other. Seasons. Exactly. Your life comes in seasons. What season are you in right this minute? You may be a stay-at-home mom. You may be a working mom. You may be homeschooling. You may have infants. You may have children in college. Or if you're Paula, you may be doing all of those (laughs) things at the exact same time. Glutton for punishment. So our next mom has a story to tell that really gets me and kind of points to the complexity of priorities in modern motherhood. When my husband and I got pregnant, we knew that I would need to go back to work because his salary alone would not support us. I've been pretty successful as a healthcare professional. So for several years, I've been the breadwinner. Being a working mom has posed some extra hard challenges. Two weeks ago, my son broke his leg when we were going down a slide together and his little foot got caught. So we got him in a cast and things were going okay for the first day and a half. And then all of a sudden, his sleeping was majorly thrown off. He was having a very hard time going to sleep. So we had to come up with some other solution and he's still breastfeeding. So we decided that I'd comfort him by breastfeeding and that uh, he could fall asleep on me. In addition to this, we, we had to kind of figure out childcare. So daycare, we didn't really anticipate being a problem, but they needed a note. They were worried about the safety of Eddie with this leg on this cast on his leg. This time of year is extremely busy for me. We start doing our budget planning for 2020 and I'm in the type of role where I have very little coverage. So missing work is not so easy, especially when it's unanticipated. We dropped Eddie off at daycare and within three hours they called and said that they saw 
blisters on his hands and were concerned that he had hand, foot, and mouth and needed to be picked up immediately. I was in the middle of an activity at work in which managers are asked to go throughout the hospital and look for various things that could put us at a regulatory risk. And so I had to abandon my assignment and go pick up Eddie. That afternoon, I was feeling just so alone. I really felt as though I had very little support and really questioned some of my decisions in my current life situation. Ugh, that one makes me teary. Yeah. I have so been there in that moment of what am what am I doing? How is this all going to work? You you start to feel like it's going to be your every day, right? Like what what happens the next time my child is sick or has an issue? I'm already exhausted. This it feels like a hamster wheel. Absolutely, and feeling trapped in terms of being in a career where She's the breadwinner and where she has a high position and there's no one. It's not like you just call in the next person to come and cover your job while you step out. I mean, that's a really claustrophobic, paralyzing position to be in. and So much pressure. Absolutely. And to, that's such a good example of just feeling like no matter what, no matter how hard she's working or whatever she's doing to be the best mom possible, like nothing is working. (laughs) Nothing is working out and you end up just feeling like you're just failing at everything. Right, and the guilt, the guilt will consume you. The average mom guilt is rough, but piled with work obligations and work guilt and a child who has an injury and is having difficulty sleeping and now your sleep is disrupted, what the hell else are we going to pile on moms? Yeah, right. And the fact that back to societal expectations and what we expect of American workers, you know, I don't know how much vacation time she has, but I mean, a lot of parents end up using their two weeks of paid time off a year, staying home with sick kids. Suddenly you have nothing left. You have no time left to even get paid to stay home with your child if they're hurt or sick, let alone if you get hurt or sick, let alone if you might just want to take a day off and go, you know, on a vacation or just rest. And I mean, that also can create feelings of just desperation and there's just so such little wiggle room and it's just feels really unfair. I agree. We had an, a personal issue not too long ago where the school nurse called and our son had to come home from school and I work part-time in a hospital and I don't have backup coverage and there's nobody else to do my job when I'm not there. And so my husband left his job. Luckily, he's a business owner, but that also means he doesn't get paid if he's not there to pick up the sick child. And then basically we had a conversation that looked like tomorrow, if he can't go, I have to stay home. We have to take turns and I, I knew that was going to be an issue with my with my work. I, it's just there is no good answer, and we do not have a supportive society for these situations. There's no backup plan, and then you can be penalized at work for taking time off, right? Let alone no pay. I'm so susceptible to people being disappointed in me that even if it's not professional consequences or. HR consequences, If even if my boss appears to be disappointed that I have to go home, that will crush me, crush me. And that's such a hard 
position to be in. You can't refuse to go pick up your sick child from daycare, nor would that make you a very good mom. Right. Which guilt did you want today? It's a hard choice. Which guilt should I serve you? (laughs) Yeah, I think I think it's rough. I think it's unfair. I think we need to make some major changes if we want the next generation to have children and work. Our last contributor was a working professional who exited her career after being gobsmacked by the reality of caring for a newborn and the inadequate support and politics of her employer. It's a tale that's all too common. I worked full-time as a physician assistant until the day I went into labor with my firstborn. I only had six weeks paid maternity leave, even though I worked at a large New York City hospital that would have probably advised their own patients to stay with their babies longer. Once my son was born, I was genuinely shocked at how hard it was to take care of a newborn. I was alone as we had no family around, and my husband had to go back to work almost immediately. I was so exhausted and overwhelmed, and the simplest tasks felt impossible. I cried when I dropped a package of nuts behind my dresser because I knew I couldn't retrieve them. I dreaded phone calls with the insurance company and my work's HR department, and I really just resented anything that was using up what small amount of energy I had. Needless to say, the first six weeks postpartum flew by, and I was in no condition, mentally or physically or emotionally, to return to work. And I was basically still set up on the couch, nursing constantly and trying to make sense of my new life and identity as a mother. I didn't recognize it at the time, but in hindsight, I realized that I had postpartum depression and anxiety. I called my boss as a last-ditch effort to make it work for me to return to work, and I asked if I could potentially work part-time. She said no, and I told her that I was resigning. I felt partially relieved that she said no, but also very angry at the position I was put in. I've never felt so angry and personally victimized by our country's policies that leave so many families without any options. I knew that if I returned to work, I would only see my son for an hour or two a day in exchange for most of my salary going towards someone else taking care of him. I knew that even if I was technically given the time and space to pump, that I wouldn't be able to pull myself away from patients frequently enough to do so. I knew that it felt wrong to leave my six-week-old son. I also knew that I was deeply privileged to even have the choice to stay, as I know many women could not have made it work financially or otherwise. After I quit and we lost our health insurance and had to start paying $1,500 a month for COBRA insurance for me and my son, we had to leave New York City because we couldn't afford to pay our rent and live on my husband's salary alone. We moved in with his family for a few months and went into credit card debt, trying to keep up with surprise hospital bills and health insurance and the other costs of life. Our financial situation became so stressful that I wondered if it had been worth it because even though I was able to be with my baby, I was worrying all of the time about how we were going to make it. I feel so angry that this is the position that our country puts our families in. It is not good for our children and it is not good for parents and it is not good for employers. Who is this benefiting? That made me feel angry too. In many ways, I could relate to a lot of what she said, especially about just feeling so physically and emotionally unprepared to return to work after such a short amount of time, I would have been in the exact same position at six weeks with my first baby. It's unbelievable to me that there's so little flexibility and that 
she was forced to make such a difficult decision. I agree. And now we no longer have her in the medical world. That was something that really stuck out to me. It's something that um, we talked about with Anne Crittenden and how much our national economy is negatively impacted by mostly mothers and some fathers are unable to return to work because of the astronomical daycare costs and just the logistics just don't work. It doesn't make sense to work if you have children in a lot of cases. And now she's no longer earning a salary. She's no longer contributing to Social Security. She's no longer helping run an important, crucial life-giving force in a community such as a hospital, you know, that's okay. If that's, a, if that's a choice that she made out of weighing all of her options and considering what she really wanted in her heart of hearts, but it sounds like it really wasn't. She would have loved to work part-time and um, been able to stay home with her baby part-time, but for some reason, that was not a choice. And I loved her question at the end, who is this benefiting? Who is it benefiting? I don't really know. None of it makes any sense. And when I start to look at how other countries handle this, I get my my blood boils. I just, why? I mean, I'd like to chalk it up to older, angry white men, but why why are we doing this? When are we going to see that the caring for the people who care for the people could change everything? I think that looking at that change is really scary for a lot of people, and it would be initially expensive to invest in subsidized childcare, paid family leave, free breastfeeding support, universal health care. Those would be very expensive initial investments, but the benefits would pay off because families would be so much more supported. They would be able to take better care of their children. Their children would do better in school and grow up to be more successful and contribute to the economy. I work part-time at WIC, and we know at WIC that for every dollar that is invested into that program, it is worth down the line from $1.35 to $7 in returns in terms of health care. So those sorts of paybacks, it's hard. It's just people don't see the, they don't see the long game. They don't see the big picture. It's just thinking about how expensive it will be off the bat. My hope is that some of our businesses start to actually be able to put out an ROI on these types of support systems for families. I think, unfortunately, that's what it comes down to for so many businesses is what is our return on investment? What will we get out of it in the end? I don't feel like there's even any doubt that there's a huge return on this, but I do think you're right. I think it's a it's a long game. And I think that if somebody doesn't start making some forward motion with this, we're going to have so many issues. I think a lot has changed over the last 20 or 30 years in the workplace for moms in that women, it's more common for moms and women to be working, period. And yet there haven't been a lot of structural changes that have supported the fact that more women and mothers are working. I think in some ways it's like, oh, women have gotten what they wanted. They're working. Lucky them. Good luck. And it's not going well. Men do not face the same hurdles as women do. No, in fact, women who have children are penalized at work and men are rewarded. And so we look at a man having a family as a society in general and think, oh, great, like let's let's give this person a promotion and a raise. They have a family to support. And when women have children, we think, 
oh, they're not even going to be able to do their job properly now. How do we sort of phase this person out or, you know, what's going to happen now? And so why are women punished? Does this go back so far? Is this, you know, the patriarchy? It's a hard one for me to say because it's kind of a buzz term right now, but it's true. It's truth. I mean, the reason we are talking about it is because it's our reality. Man, can we end this journey we've taken into the multiverse on a less depressing note? Well, for one thing, whether they are appreciated, valued, and compensated for their true labor or not, moms are their shit. And America would not be the same without them. Or exist at all. I think the bottom line for me is this is why I do what I do. I think the idea of creating micro communities and helping women create their own micro communities to support each other and spend more deep time together working through these problems is going to be the answer. So what kind of advice do you want to leave for all the moms and particularly the non-moms out there who may or may not understand this great big tribe? I think some of the best advice is to look at moms and first see that they're doing the best that they can and to treat mothers with compassion and with the assumption that whatever choices they're making, they've done it with thought and care and love. And I think that will go a long way in helping moms meet in the middle and support each other and not feel so defensive or protective about their decisions and the way that they're raising their children. I agree. When I look at the way another mom is parenting, what I need to see is those are the right choices for her. And that does not mean that my choices, because different, are invalid, unsafe, ineffective. We are doing what is best for our families in that moment, and that may change, but we are all okay. And we can all support each other. Non-judgmental support. Words to live by. And on that note, my friends, we're signing off. It's been a great run with you all here inside the multiverse. And who knows? You might be hearing more from us soon. In the meantime, season three is far from over. Caitlin and Katie have a big, juicy season debrief coming your way. So stay tuned for more deep dives into the mom tribe. Until then, try not to die from motherhood, America. This land is your land. This land is mine. From California to the New York skyline, from the redwood forest to the southeast shore, this land is my land, this land is yours, mama.
Mickey Voice was produced by Katie Larson and my mommy, Caitlin Shaw, who also did the editing and sound design, as well as the beautiful tools and music. Miss Matt's stuff is by Twist Balls. Opening feast music is a melter. Alice Beltahan, Twitter's first podcast can be found at www.sa-monkeyverse.com To listen to us to find more information around us to following artists and a new episode. Thank you for so much listening to America. Bye! That was good. You really, you really brought it. Oh, I gotta turn off.